Okay, you begged for it, so here's part two of the big interview with the mighty Johnny Evans. What happens when a student of football like Johnny meets a schoolmaster of a coach like Louis van Gaal? The manager who ended our guest's long career at Old Trafford also accelerated Johnny Evans' development as a modern centre-half. You're going to hear about it. Also, and this was big fun, Johnny tells us what it's like to spend 90 minutes in the company of the world's elite strikers. How can you try to get the upper hand against Didier Drogba? In which area of the game is Thomas Muller apparently the best in the world? Johnny also describes the moment that a not-so-sympathetic Slatan Ibrahimovic encouraged him to get up after the big Swede left him on the seat of his pants. There's a little bit of parental advisory content there. Johnny Evans may yet add new names to that illustrious list of rivals like David Villa, Raul, Fernando Torres, Luis Suarez. He's played against the best. But he harbours an ambition to one day play in La Liga. Spanish football will be lucky to have him. And so are we. Get tucked in. One of the things the Barcelona players specifically say about Guardiola is that he was the first one to explain them. And off tape, we talked about language learning. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the doing, but the understanding of why. And the, the players who come through the academy, even at Barcelona, who learned it all our lives, said Guardiola was the first one to tell us why we were going to do something strategically, why tactics were specifically important for a particular situation. I, and they all yeah. benefited from understanding rather than being told to. I think, well, I think when you understand something, I mean, it makes it a lot more, more clear and, and, you know, like, you'll want to do it for that reason. Whereas sometimes you're doing something blind and you don't know why you're doing it. You might think, well, I'm not going to do that. You know, it's not what I believe. But if someone explains something to you, I mean, I had that experience with, with Louis van Gaal at Manchester United. You know, we like to explain these players and he, he taught his players um, how to do something why you're going to do it. And he wanted his players to think like that also. I mean, I spent a year with him. He, he sold me in the end, but I, I learned an awful lot of him f- f- for him being like that. And he, was, he, he, was, he had a school teaching background. He did. So I knew we came into this in, uh, interview, one, knowing from other people that you'd deliberately um, opened your mind and listened to Van Halen, found it useful, and that he taught you. But uh, I think I see a lot of footballers who actually don't think like you, who may be perfectly talented and may go on to be successful, but they don't want a superfluity of information. No. They simply want do A, B, C and then go home and, and play snooker or do whatever. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot, I mean, I know a lot of players like that. It's the street, true it's the or street false? Footballer. Yeah, ah. it's definitely true. I mean, I think I've always liked learning. I mean, I was like that at school and, you know, I've liked taking new information in, so... I mean, I could talk about football. Oh, believe for, me, for you're hours. going to believe me. <laughs> um, so I've always liked that aspect of it. I mean, like you say, Van Gaal used to get us in and go for video after video, and I could see some of the lads didn't enjoy it, and but I loved it. I loved that sort of aspect of learning about how and why things happen and why they work, and um, even at times, you know, you could have been at the brunt of, of why something was going wrong. You know, you maybe you were out of position, or why did you play that pass, and why did you play that pass at that time, and little things like that and I can understand why people found it hard to accept you know because at times it wasn't nice but I enjoyed it I think you know if you ever if you play in an orchestra you know it can be tough for a soloist and I think anybody who is a native footballer and hasn't had to think about it a lot and wants to improvise and also feels whatever comes along I can I can either defend it or I can um, build it or I can score it 
And then Giga Casillas was the keeper who mm-hmm. didn't like instruction. He always wanted Amica, Amica the cat. I've got nine lives and mm-hmm. I'm hugely agile and pff, enough with your training and your... So I enjoyed watching his career, but I do enjoy watching a footballer with a brain like an engineer. Because yeah. you've talked about how does that work and what would happen if I... and Oh, that's what that is. Yeah. I, I love watching that mentality in players like you. I, like, I mean... Maybe I don't know. Maybe if you're if you're a defender, sometimes you know you can see the whole picture. You know, especially from a from a defensive point of view, like you know why are things happening? Why are teams getting through and um, trying to stop things at source? You know, being yes. proactive as a defender, and I think sometimes you know, especially in Britain, you know, as a defender, you get one or two goal line blocks, or you you make great challenges, and everyone thinks you've had a good game. Whereas I would like sort of maybe to think, well, let's try and stop that a bit higher up. Maybe try and. Prevention Stop. is better than cure. Exactly, and you know, so I, I like trying to think, you know, how, how can we do that? And different aspects of football of, of that that really interest me. Well, I, this includes you specifically, but we only speak to intelligent people. So, who is this? Johnny is interested in learning, which makes him interesting to me. I like that. I was surprised when he became available. That perhaps again, without being dis- disrespectful perceived to be bigger clubs in the Premier League weren't after him. Um, I always remember that when we played in Porto against Portugal and it was Cristiano Ronaldo's 100th cap, it was all set up. It was a full house of 45,000. A wet night, Luis Figo was there to present the cap to Ronaldo and we were there, we were wheeled in, lambs to the slaughter. Everyone played great that night, but Johnny Evans was phenomenal in terms of the level of his performance. Your starter for 10. <laughs> Who is speaking? I'm asking Michael. Is it Michael O'Neill? Spot on. 10 yeah. points. <laughs> 10 points. He, he talks about that game a lot because I, I think the goal came from... Uh, there was a I think the goal of, came from, from you. I think you set it up. Yeah, because well, he, he, you know, he, he likes that sort of defending, you know, players being on the front foot. And I remember there was a bit of a phase of play. And, and for some reason that night, the whole port... Well, not for some reason. He's, the, he's probably one of the best players of all time. But they kept wanting to pass the ball to Ronaldo. <laughs> even if it was a right or wrong pass and I remember thinking like um, I'm going to be out of position here but I'm going to take a gamble and I stepped in way you know probably across my other centre back but I sort of read that they were going to they were going to look for him and I stepped in in front of Ronaldo nicked the ball I think I've sort of skipped past someone and played Kyle Lafferty in who squared at the Elm again and got the goal and I mean we got a draw that night it wasn't a win but Michael O'Neill loves talking about that, about how you know, he likes his, his defenders to be on the front foot and always use it as an example. Well, the idea that you were playing against Cristiano that night um, leads me to something that I tipped you off before. When we look across um, your successful time in the Premier League and for Northern Ireland, we racked up several of the players that you faced. David Villa, Raul, Drogba, Lewandowski, Slatan, Fernando Torres, Aguero, Balotelli, Rooney... You played Cristiano um, for club and country, I think. Hulk, Mario Gomez, Thomas Muller, Fernando Llorente. There will be more. Mm-hmm. Suarez. Why don't we? Why don't we try as an exercise? Because we we like to teach. We like to Van Hal here if we can. Because there are people <laughs> who will take what you say and will try to apply it in their lives at whatever level of football. Which I think is the benefit of having an elite footballer talking to us, mm-hmm. sharing. Give me two or three of those and tell me about. The process of marking him, the the digs, the stamps, the jokes, the friendliness, the the, the sore losing, 
the full A to Z of what it was like, I don't know, via Drogba. Let me, I'll prompt this one. Drog, Drogba must have been a handful. I mean, he was. I mean, I think when I first... I made my, my Manchester United Premier League debut actually away at Chelsea. And, you know, he was on fire at that time in his career. And... Um, you know, I'm still a skinny lad, but I'd like to think it was a bit more sort of <laughs> filled out. Um, a bit more chubby back then, I'd say. But playing against Drogba, I mean, he had, I think what he had was he, he had the strength and the pace and the, te and the technique all in one. So, I mean, sometimes when you're coming up against a, a real strong centre forward, um, who's maybe not got as much pace, you can maybe think, oh, I'll try and play a high line because, you know, if you're squeezing the space in front, you know, you can stop the ball coming into his chest, you know, if they're playing long balls, or you can sort of dictate a bit more winning headers. But, you know, Drogba had a bit, bit, of, bit of everything in that, and he always had the unpredictability of taking long-range shots. So, I mean, I always found the important thing was to try and be ahead of them in your brain because, you know, for me to be able to compete against someone like that in a physical capacity, I probably never could. Because he would out-muscle me, probably out... Literally, so that people understand, literally, if it came literally, to a, it came a, a to contest, a physical contest, what, he could turn you or maybe knock you over or... Yeah, he was always going to win. He was probably bigger and stronger and, and quicker. So you have to be you know smarter in your brain and always maybe sort of working the, the defender up the pitch in order to, like I say, squeeze that space where... You know, he's Can not I ask a question that's not pertinent, but is he a bully? Some no, I, people I, of size are, some people aren't. I never felt that Drogba was a bully. Okay. Um, I think maybe he had he had the ability to be, but you know he, he had so much many other aspects to his game that he was probably. I think when you see a a bully centre forward, you know usually that's that's the, their strength. They might but not he, be as good. Exactly. Yeah. So you know he had so many different aspects to his game, and uh, having tried to outthink him so often, what do you think of his football brain? I mean, there's so many aspects that's happening in the game. I don't think you ever think, oh, I'm going to outthink him. But I'm trying to think. I've played against him quite a few times and always felt like I handled myself quite well against him. Um, but yeah, very good player. And like you say, on that list, there's a lot of good players. I mean, Thomas Muller, I played against him in the Euros for Northern Ireland. I was playing as a, I played as a left back that night, actually. I've never experienced movement like it. And he's always on the move. And... But stood still at the right... Ah. When the time came to yeah. stand still, he did. If he, if he had to stand still, he stood in a position that I couldn't get near him. And every time the ball went wide and the cross came in, he seemed to get on the end of every cross. <laughs> and he was frightened. And I thought, I've never marked anyone with as good as movement as, as that in, in my career. See, I, I quote this because I'm not a student of the Bundesliga, but I, I helped the, a Spanish publisher who went and spent... Marty Perrano spent... Um, the best part of two seasons inside the camp at Bayern Munich because he had links. He was an Olympic athlete, links to um, Manuel Estiarte, Pep Guardiola's right-hand man. So what you get is a lot of feedback about Muller, how Pep liked him but found him difficult because what Pep's very systematic, if anything more so than Van Hal. whereas what he found was he, he saw just like you Muller's values but he found him anarchic. Is that a decent word? That, that would you think all of Thomas Muller's stuff was planned, or some of it to instinct, drag you entire? Uh, yeah, instinct was a better word. That. He did. He, he orchestrated the game from right wing. He was coaching his team where to play the ball, and if it didn't come, or the right, 
the right timing wasn't there, he'd be unhappy about it. But you know, going back to your 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 remarks about Guardiola and him, like I can totally understand that because you know people talk about you know the Barcelona team and the tiki taka and that. But a lot of you know from what I see of Guardiola, a lot of his players, like you say, are systematic and they mm-hmm. stand in their positions, mm-hmm. and he wants his players to stand still and wait for the ball at the right time, and the pass has to be the right pass and you know breaking lines. And I could understand. I remember thinking that night, well, I mean, I did think this, and it, it's funny that you say that, because I remember thinking, you know, he, was, he moved so much that mm. it made me think, well, maybe Guardiola actually does. I've seen it wrong, maybe Guardiola, because I thought maybe he'd have an influence on his style of play, but... Like he, he kind of, he, it's like, I like it in life when you kind of, um, let's say you're a, a controlling, let's say you're a, t- a teacher, and you don't have a ruffian people, but you have um, you have the people who's always larking around and pinging the brass straps of the girl in front and taking a, a little joke at the teacher's expense, but the teacher sees the talent and sees that quietly the pupil would like to learn and therefore there's an affection even though yeah. it's a pain in the arse pupil. I think that's how they ended up because Pep could see that there were great things in that. And also, Guardiola would equate, I, I'm not speaking as somebody who's been mm-hmm. in the Bayern Munich dressing room, but what you also get in the, in the dressing room from him, I know, is the noise and the jokes mm-hmm. and the, the silly jokes, but also the volume control is broken every day. Yeah. And that wouldn't be normally to Guardiola's taste. But he saw again that that kind of represented the, the Bayern Munich spirit, that he was very popular, that he bleeds exactly. I mean, black and white for the team. I can totally see that because we, we played them and it's... One of the biggest games of our careers, Northern Ireland, yeah. Euros, Germany. Yeah, yeah. And he's standing in the tunnel and he's like looking around and he's, he's looking at us in the, in the lineup and he's he's almost wanting to talk to us. I can tell he just wants to like have a laugh and he's like half yawning and he's just like, all right, guys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all like, you know, in the zone trying to get ready. And, um, you know, I could see that personality too. And he, he, was, you know, he, was, he was having a chat with me during the game about certain things. That's what I like. This is why we do this because... We'd like people to understand that it's not a monochrome life you, you, you no. lead. It, there, there's a variety of different experiences. And I've often wondered which strikers or forwards give you a chat or give you an elbow or shake your hand. or like The, the, the transformation, again, I've not played against Diego Costa, but you watch him and people get riled by Diego Costa and he does some outrageous <laughs> things. But wherever you fucking go, you talk to people who... Like, for example... The first time I really saw this, oh, I'd heard about it before. And I remember Alan Pardew at Newcastle had said, who do you recommend when they sold Andy Carroll? And I gave him a yeah. list. Top on my list was this Valladolid player, um, Diego Costa. But I saw him in a semi-final of the Cup uh, one day, just before what must have been the World Cup in 2014. And he was, he, he sort of gobbed at somebody's leg and he tugged some hair and he, gone down in a heap and he behaved like a like a swine and him and Ramos were at it I mean full on like you know Apache war man this was and I think there was either a a kerfuffle in the media and the television in Spain shows everything in replay and Dabosky said well I've no place for anything and I saw them for Spain 10 days later training in the Calderon and there was Ramos with his arm round him happy as Larry the two of them They'd never worked together before and so they were best friends and Ramos had recognised a rascal yeah. is what it was. And as far as he was concerned, I don't like playing again, but he'll he'll do for me. Yeah, exactly. I mean I think Which strikers are like that for you? 
Um, it's hard to think off the top of my head. Only Thomas Muller. I mean, going back to that, the, the German. I think they were when I think about it, they were so confident they were going to yeah they were going to beat us yeah. that they were so relaxed about it. Um, but I can remember we, we actually played them in a qualifier recently for the World Cup. They're in our group, unfortunately. <laughs> and he tried to do a little movement as if you know, like the, there's a dead ball situation. And uh, I said to him, "Hey, I know you now." <laughs> I didn't fall for it, but uh, he was trying to catch me out, you know, having a bit of a laugh, but. I mean, I, I like that. I like the fact that he's so relaxed and so, yeah, yeah. so at ease with what he's going to do on the pitch. He knows what he's going to do, and I noticed the big when Schweinsteiger came to Manchester. I only spent a brief time with him, but this was a guy that loved life. Mm. And here's a guy. I had this impression that Schweinsteiger he was going to be this. You know, you have this sort of impression of a, a seri- bit doer, serious German who's going to be methodical and all this, and um, not have a laugh and a joke total opposite couldn't believe it and I think myself you know maybe at times do we maybe take football too seriously in terms of not enjoying it as much as what they do you talked about a, a, a clip show we do called the Mavericks so you can see that you're preaching the converted you maybe rehearsed that line because I love a Maverick you're not quite talking about a Maverick and Schweinsteiger although I know that when he was a kid him and his brother, to, to be able to play late in their gardens, there was a ski scope nearby and they clambered up the, the lights and turned the lights down to focus on their gardens so they could play till midnight, whatever. So maybe that is Maverick. But like you, I think there is, there has to, I grew up in an age of, I don't know, Peter Barnes and, you know, Frank Worthington and, and, and Duncan McKenzie and Eddie Gray, the people who were on the pitch to win, but they were, they were there to entertain too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're talking to two Scots, you're t- talking to, you know, the, the national team, we'd have been world champions, what would you calculate, you know, six or seven times if, if we hadn't loved life, our, our top, top footballers yeah. hadn't, you know, gone off and rode out into the ocean like Jimmy Johnson did or whatever. There must be room. There, d- d- we probably do take it all, I think, a little bit too seriously now. Yeah, but like I say, I think they're just so confident in them. They're, they're so confident in themselves and, and what they can offer on the pitch that, they're relaxed about it. I mean, I actually, I remember Jurgen Klopp saying something, I know he, he's German himself, but he was talking about when, I read an article he did one time where Liverpool were playing Barcelona, I think, I don't know, if it, I think it might have been a friendly, and he was, he couldn't believe how relaxed the Barca players were in the in the tunnel. Hmm. He said the same, you know, they, were, they were yawning, they were sort of flicking their legs out, half warming up, and I think maybe that goes back to the fact, like I say, they were so in control and knew what they had to do when they go on the pitch that nothing else mattered. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's no real escaping this now because we've been talking about talent and centre forwards and eccentricities and idiosyncrasies. Mm-hmm. Ibrahimovic, what's that like? <laughs> I mean, I I played against him twice. Let's detail them. I think the the first is 
Northern Ireland, Sweden, when, when, yeah. you, when you beat them. Yeah. Back in that group. That's right, yes. And then the Inter game is the other one, right? And the Inter game, yeah. So you haven't lost against him? No, no, haven't actually. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, the game we played against Sweden, I think it was, he'd fallen out with the Swedish national team or the manager or something. He'd come back, it was his big sort of hoo-ha back into the game and I think we beat them 2-1 that day, Mark. You did? You did beat 2-1. them 2-1, you did. 2-1 and I mean, I think I was left back again at the time so I wasn't maybe up against them as much as what um, I was in, in the Inter game, which was a, a Champions League was that a, a semi-final? I, I think it's, research? It's, it's a knockout game and I think it's a quarter. That's my quarter, opinion. Yes, maybe the quarter. That was right. Um, and him and Adriano were playing up front. Oof. So. She was, I'd missed him off my list. You know, when he shed the pounds, he could play. Exactly. And the two of them were absolute, you know, two monsters. And yeah. like, like I say, I'm sort of, I'm a skinny lad anyway, but I was younger back then and I can remember coming up against these two lads and, Obviously, Adriano had been on fire at the time. Ibrahimovic was like, you know, world star. People were talking about this guy. He's the most skillful. Mourinho, I think, was the, right. been the manager at the time. Correct, so correct. We were a very, very good side. And um, you know, I just remember the pure strength of them. You know, the fact that they could just they could just put one arm out and hold me off. And, you know, the, the skill that Ibrahimovic had, I, I, I seen that at that time. But now, you know, maybe you know, a few years down the line, seeing him... You know, up more, maybe up more close at Manchester United, get the appreciated a bit more. What was um? Did did does he try and put you off? Does did, were there any chats, or were you not close enough to him in that positionally? Because then, tra- traditionally he he did, and I spoke to an ex colleague of yours who I did a favour, not, not name, who trains with him to this day. I, I, listen, as we speak, he's had a horrible injury, and let's hope that he he can heal. Um, but he said to some of his current teammates at United. Because I said, what's it like? And he said, well, he's deadly serious. He's serious about his training. Yeah. He's serious about his game. But he told those who asked him at, at, at United now that if you'd met me when I was 20, 21, you'd have been petrified of me. I was yeah, completely, the, yeah. I can tell, you know, he's got that sort of Scandinavian edge to him. I've played with a Swedish lad, Jonas Olsen, actually, who's just gone back to Sweden to play. And it's funny because he was the nicest man in the world. But as soon as he got on that training pitch, he just switched or even on the, on the football pitch. And he played against uh, Ibrahimovic um, earlier on in the season. And you know, we were making a big a big thing out of it because the two of them sure looked like they could probably kill each other. But I remember in that, in that Northern Ireland game when I played, he left one on me. I think I've cleared the ball. He's put his studs up. So I thought, uh, I'll try and make the most of this. <laughs> Get him booked. Uh, don't like to admit that, but I did. <laughs> And, uh, you know, he's come over and he's, he's given, get up, bitch, you know, like, you know, all this here. And, and I'm just there like, all right, I think I will. I think I better get up now. <laughs> and I had a bit of a laugh about it in the end. But, you know, he, he's got that edge to him and that, you know, something that, like you say, he's a maverick. And I'm sure he is in your eyes. When you, well, now he's a guy who fascinates me in that, you know, you watch the, you, you must be careful to filter in our job, Johnny, because... You're asked to give opinions all the time. And if you've any sense, you'll build up information and evidence before you give opinion. Mm-hmm. But that's not the way, unfortunately, our trade is going. So I have interviewed him. I've watched, I've learned, I've spoken to people around him. And I, what I try to do, because there's bits of him I adore and bits of him I don't like and I don't approve of. And I think that he can be a mix of, 
you know, everything that we want to watch football for because you don't know what's going to happen and he scores goals that mm -hmm. you literally can't believe. They also, you want to dispel the myth that he's just some sort of big, arrogant sort of prince who turns up and does what he wants because he's deadly serious about mm -hmm. his profession and about winning. But also you have to filter through and work out if, if what you're hearing is arrogance or justified attitude because of his talent. Mm -hmm. That's what, you know, fascinates me. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I think sometimes it's a persona. I think a lot of people, maybe maybe he does put that on, I don't know. And speaking from, you know, a lot of the people who, who work with him at Manchester mm. United and they all love him and the players. I think they all respect the fact that, like you say, he's a winner and he, he's dragging them through. How do you sum up that, that winning mentality, that winning attitude? That To get where you are, everybody's got to have a degree of it, but it varies. What you'll do to win, what you'll what you'll sacrifice to win, how long... It's like a candle flame sometimes. Yeah, I mean... It can burn out, because it can burn you out too. It can, I mean... I'm fortunate I've played with so many good players, but during my time at Manchester United, <coughs> um, absolute winners beyond belief, and there's no doubt about it that, like I mentioned before with Sir Alex, that's what he wanted. Characters, he wanted winners, and he wanted people who were brave... Like I said, he could on the ball and people who were going to make things happen. And I see, like you say, I saw different degrees of, of being a winner. And there was some lads who didn't want to win as much as others. But we used to have some of the most competitive training sessions ever because everyone wanted to win, like I say, to some degree. But it's a fantastic uh, environment to be around. And um, that drove us on. I mean, people talk about that team having a great team spirit, but the team spirit was made by winning. And there's no doubt about the fact that winning games and being a part of something, being successful, something brings a team closer together, whether or not you like each other or not. There's a point because, I mean, I, I, I don't want to be, I'm saying this, I'm not drawing you in. I think we know that, that if some of the United players would have considered Vidic, Atura and the best in the world at a time, I don't think that he was necessarily the most popular. There were... Also, the training ground in every top club is full of scrapes. And, and players will often explain to me, you don't have to be friends mm -hmm. to, to win, to work together. Um, so is that, is that part of what you're saying? That the unified is having a unified goal, winning, and that you don't have to have a good relationship? I mean, you don't... It helps, I'm sure it does, but we, we did have a good relationship. Mean, I know you've spoken to Michael Carrick about the Army game and all that. Yeah, that came out, Havoc and Haywire. Havoc and Haywire. Were you in on that thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was, what yeah. was your name? I was Snave. That was just Evans backwards. Oh, so. right. no, okay. <laughs> I mean, I still get called Snave to this day. <laughs> nice enough. Um, but, I mean, that, that, that brought us together in a different way. I mean, it opened up barriers. I mean, in terms of we could talk to each other and... You know, maybe the, talk to players, but I mean, in terms of winning, you know, that, that being a, win, a, a winning team, that happened on the pitch, you know, bringing the team together and enjoying those uh, experiences together. You'd, you'd have played in some training sessions that were harder than matches. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you're having the mark, like you say, you're, you're playing against, if I'm, as a defender, you know, when you're marking Rooney, Chicharito, Welbeck, Ronaldo. Tevez, Berbatov, you know, they're, they're players I've played against, trained against. You're going to be in for, for some training session and they're doing everything they can to win that 
that game in that session. You know, the, some some training sessions were were incredible and in, in very intense and could get very heated at times. Over decisions, referee decisions, or you know, um, studs being left in. Yeah, studs being left in. Mm. I've had a, a, I've been involved in a few incidents like that, but that was the norm. And as soon as we moved off the pitch, forgotten about. Because you understand that some people listening will think Saturday, Sunday are the big things. Whatever happens, don't you know? Go at ninety percent intensity on the Friday. But yeah, yeah. Whereas you're saying that that's not how it you're. It was, yeah, it wasn't. It, it wasn't allowed. It wasn't accepted because you knew your teammate would be on to you. You know, and you didn't want to let your teammate down. This is in training, but I mean, we uh, any any tackles. You know, you can you can be aggressive. You can be very aggressive in training without wanting to hurt anyone. You yeah, know? of course. Um, so there was never any issue. But you don't cotton wool anybody in training, is what I mean. No, no, there was, it was aggressive and it was for long. Like I say, you wanted to win, so everyone was putting everything into it. To your fans' point of view, and I'm talking partly for myself, but you hear fans saying it, a player gets injured in training and everyone's like, what the f-? It's like it's a Frank Spencer moment. How did they do that? You know, the game's coming up. And I think to understand how a team performs well in a big match, you have to understand that they play exactly like that in training. It was f- I've never seen anyone get injured by attack. I, I mean, I saw Phil Jones cut... Cut Wayne Rooney's head open, accidental. But I've never seen anyone be uh, properly injured by a tackle and training. Yeah. And, you know, for, for I say, for all the, the aggressiveness of the art training and the competitiveness, you know, that never happened. I saw Ruud van Nistelrooy came to train with us in the youth team once. <laughs> and the, uh, he might have been angry about, you know, maybe not training with the first, he was coming back from injury or something. And, Something happened anyway, and there's a boy Lee Martin who actually oh yeah yeah he'd gone on to play league football, and Rude just absolutely I mean it was early, early order because he was a young lad, but he went and he I think he put him out for maybe a couple of months, but he, he busted his ankle, and mm. I think that's the only time I've seen that happen. I think if you if you bring hard nosed winners and you bottle up frustration about a lost trophy or a drop you being dropped or whatever, it, it's going to happen, and I think it's healthy. I, I don't, I'm not fishing for stories, but broadly, I think it's healthy for the professional game when, uh, say, a tabloid story about a bust-up at training comes to say, this is kind of the meat and drink of comp- competing to the ultimate, and also that it, it gets left behind, it gets forgotten pretty quickly in 99% of cases. It's not the end of the world, if, if at whatever club, if there's a little bit, there's a, there's a spat in Luis Enrique's um, first um, season when they win the treble where he's told Messi he's not going to be playing at Real Sociedad David Moyes is a Real Sociedad and then he gives a decision the manager's refereeing in training which I think has got to be a no-no mm-hmm. he doesn't give a decision Messi goes nose to nose with them it all goes off um, but if you talk to the players that have played around him they say D- don't make him angry even in training because in training it matters so much to him that if you make him angry you're screwed. He'll, he'll tackle like never before. He'll score three or four. Is this Messi? Yeah, that's the word. So, I mean, if it happens between Lucien Ricci and Messi, it can happen. It can and should happen anyway. Well, I mean, talking about Messi, actually, the classical. I mean, we're, we're doing this after the classical. Mm, the 3 2. 3 2. That was funny because he got his. Uh, Oh, he did, of, didn't I he? Don't, I don't know what happened. He was, he was bleeding at the moment. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Marcelo elbows him in the face. He, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what... Which I what, think happens as well. I'm not taking out Marcelo. I think yeah. that happens in football. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what actually injury he had, but he was bleeding mm. at the mouth anyway. Oh, he I just found it. He was on the boat playing football with a tissue in his mouth. And he's holding it with one hand and dribbling the ball. And 
And he could tell that he got angry. Yeah. It's like something happened that made him angry. You know, all right. And then he, he goes and, and, and does it's what It's like does. that, is it, right? It was just fantastic. Here I go. Like, I think they'll know again. Don't make him angry. Well, they didn't. As a defender, <laughs> you might look at Sergio Ramos's tackle. Or was it a tackle? It's the wrong word. Ninja assault yeah. in the wrong part of the ground at the wrong time for the wrong reason. Automatic red card. If you're going to do that for any reason... Be sure about where, when, why. Is it last gasp? Is, yeah. it, is it taking one for the team? Wrong. <laughs> Not only does Ramos get sent up, but he gets, he gets angry again. He does, he gets angry and again. And people mistake me because I've written him a Barcelona. I'm not a Barcelona fan at all. There's only Aberdeen for me. But I'm aware that I'm lucky I've been in the presence of the greatest footballer yeah. ever. I mean, he's, he's just incredible. I mean, I think I hold Barcelona team. You know, they are. They are a fantastic team. I've been fortunate to see them up close and... The way they dominated us in two finals, um, the way they can control the ball and, and move, and I like one. T- I mean, I read that book. Uh, there's a Pep Confidential where yes. the guy talks. Yes. You know, Guardiola dispels a myth of you know we don't play tacky taka and, and I mean I can totally see what he meant, but they were just so fluid on the ball. It, it, it almost like it looks like it's tacky taka, but mm-hmm. it's not. It's um, for a reason. It's mathematical it's in order reason. to. If exactly. you do this, then that, then that, then that. To me, what it reminds me of a little bit is NFL set plays, which kind of feel robotic when you learn about it first time that the players in the preseason training camp are given, you know, folders of information mm-hmm. about like this is what this call means in the set play, and everybody's got to run to this. But when we watch it, when it when a play in NFL goes well, it's gorgeous, and basketballs the same, mm-hmm. and and that's what they're doing. I think that's yeah, what you can equate it to. I mean, I think. It- and you watch, you know, that Barcelona team, the way they can, they're always finding the spur man. You know, they very rarely put someone in trouble. They're always, you know, eliminating someone with a pass or, I mean, they stand on the ball, take their time at the right time and, and, and move it quick when it has to be moved quick. And I think maybe looking at that team, you know, one thing that we lack maybe in, in, in British football is the, the ability to have time on the ball. We maybe don't appreciate having a player having time on the ball as much as what we what we should. One day, I mean, it's it's West Brom all the way, and you know you've got your West Brom tattoos and your <laughs> your Tony Pulis hat and and your Cyril Regis and posters. But one day, La Liga, maybe interesting, or 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 is the Premier League, you know, for your motivation for? I I, I would love to play them really in Spain. I really would. I mean, I've always. Fascinated with Spanish football ever since it was on on a, on a Saturday Saturday night Sunday night t- uh, on Sky. Mm. Um, my parents, my brother, um, and my parents we went to watch Real Madrid Valencia. I can't remember the year, early two thousands. Mm-hmm. I think Ronaldo scored, Zidane scored. I think it was Zidane had one of the best games of all time. I mean, I've looked it up on YouTube since, and you can see the goals and that, and it was just fantastic. And being able to experience that, and yeah, something that's always interests me, playing playing abroad, and like I've told you before, doing a bit of the language learning. <laughs> Correcto. Well, La Liga and La Liga's representatives, no harm to the baggies, boing boing, which in Spanish is boing boing. <laughs> <laughs> I'd only say, are you listening, Spanish football clubs? Um, because if you are, you've been listening to a graceful, intelligent winner who is two-footed brilliantly quick speaks spanish and wants to play one day in la liga
please God, let it happen. Johnny Evans, what an absolute privilege and what a lot of fun too. Thanks, Graham. Thanks for coming. You should, if, if Thomas Muller is ever looking for a representative, <laughs> I think that's the one. Talking football is as good as playing or watching it when it's done like this. Thank you, man. The Big Interview is produced by Backpage and me, Graham Hunter. The music you always hear, the music that you love, is Beer Jacket. You can enter exclusive competitions and put your questions to our future Big Interview guests by getting on the mailing list at grahamhunter.tv. Yes, several thousand of you have done it, but come on, slackers at the back, sign up. Thanks for being there. Without you, this would be fun, but a lot less fun. See you soon.